Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live. May 20th. Today's quote is from the Majjhima Nikaya, number 122, the Maha Sutta, which is, uh, it's got a lot in it. And the very last thing the Buddha says is, I'm not going to treat you like wet clay. Mitavataya samudacharata masapattavataya. Don't, that's not it. Here we are. Tata parakamisami yatha kumbakaro amake amakamate. All right. Nawohang ananda tata parakamisami. I will not treat you, ananda. Yatha kumbakaro amake amakamate. Amaka means uncooked, the uncooked or the unbaked clay, because a potter has to treat their clay with care when the clay is wet. You have to, you have to be very careful with it, something very fragile. So the Buddha said, I'm not going to treat you with, with as though you're fragile. It means I'm not going to go easy on you. I'm not going to use kid gloves. I'm not going to pamper you. I'm not going to... I'm going to make it easy on you. That's what he's saying. I mean, he's... He's making, uh, he's, he's, by doing that, he's uh, softening the blow of what he says, of his teaching, because the teaching is quite difficult, is what he's saying. He, he has only our best interest, is what he's saying. Because meditation is tough. Enlightenment, the path to enlightenment is not an easy thing. He says, repeatedly restraining you, I shall speak to you. Repeatedly admonishing you, I shall speak to you. The sound core will stand the test. Yo saro so tasati. Saro. Sara means the core, but it also means uh, that which has substance. If a person has substance, they will stand. So he's addressing monks who are spending time in society, are in danger of getting caught up in the world. And he wants to
address them in such a way that they focus on things that are more sara, more beneficial. And so he offers them this teaching on void, voidness, this teaching on non-self really, that things are not, that things are empty. All of the things that we strive for, all of the things that we cling to, they in the end don't have substance. They come and they go. We think of our belongings, our possessions, even our own bodies and our own minds are unstable. We can't hold on to them. We can't keep them the way they are. He gives something that's hard to hard to understand, but hard, but even harder, hard to hard to accept let alone understand. Because we we are very much uh, interested in and, and attached to the things in the world and the ways of the world. And so we even with meditation we uh, we come with the idea that it's going to be pleasant and stable and controllable. We're going to find a way to control our minds. We didn't figure that controlling and letting go are two very different things. In fact, letting go is much more difficult of the two. Well, control, complete control being impossible, but the, uh, the act of of trying to control things is pretty simple. We just try and force ourselves this way and that way. It's not very fruitful, but it's an easy way out. Just try and control your life. Try and control everything. Force everything to be the way you want it. In other words, try to always get what you want. You never get what you don't want. But letting go is quite different. And letting go is much more difficult. It's difficult just to even accomplish. It means not react. It's not judging, it's not clinging, it's not avoiding. It means learning to open yourself up. Open yourself up to what you're feeling, opening yourself up to what you're thinking. Opening yourself up to now, what you're experiencing now. And being okay with that, whatever it is. making your peace with it. So you stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to hold on to it. Stop trying to get what it is that you want. Our minds are screaming like little children all the time. I want this, I want that, I don't want this, I don't want that. Meditation is about growing up. It's about finally becoming mature the sense of being strong and wise and capable. It's the most difficult thing you can do. And a lot of blood, sweat and tears along the way. And so the Buddha says, I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. There's no way to sugarcoat this. We can soften the blow. We can remind you that it's important to 
see well it's that it's a, it's an important thing it's a serious thing we're doing prepare you for it mentally emotionally but in the end we have to go the distance i mean if you want a, an experience that is pleasant and comfortable that's easy we can make a spa or something where people come and get massages or get to sit in the jacuzzi or a hot spring or something. But it wouldn't solve things. It wouldn't solve anything. It wouldn't fix your problems. It wouldn't lead to true peace. It wouldn't change anything. Do comfortable meditation where we sit and think good thoughts. Valid meditation, really. There's meditation of love on love, meditation on uh, compassion, and so on. Good meditation, but but as well, they still don't lead to true change because they don't help us understand ourselves. I mean. The path to true enlightenment is not not complicated and it's not hard to understand. It's not esoteric or um, abstruse. Or, no, it's quite simple. It's just not easy. It's something you have to really be patient with. You don't have to push yourself. You don't have to force things. You don't have to stress about it. But you have to be patient. It's the kind of a kind. You have to be the kind of person who can sit through anything, who can bear with anything. That's the key. You don't have to do anything. You just have to bear with everything. Once you can bear, then that means being objective. It means seeing things as they are. That's all it takes. You just have to see things as they are. You don't have to find anything new or strange or esoteric. Just as they are. Quite simple. And, and that's what's so rewarding about it, is that when you see things as they are, there's no one can take that away from you. No one can make you doubt that. Once you see your mind, once you see... see the nature of your experiences, the things that you cling to, things that you run away from. Once you see that they're not so scary, that they're not so attractive, that they're just, they just are. That no one can make you cling to anything. You can't be forced into fleeing or forced into fear or anxiety or stress. Because you have understanding. That's all you have. You don't have fear, you don't have anger, you don't have addiction, attachment, frustration, boredom, sadness, none of that. You just have understanding. You just see things clearly. What does that do for you? What are all the good things that come? What good is it, you know, to work so hard, why can't we just take it easy? Uh, 
when your mind is pure, when your mind is clear, what is the benefit? The true benefit is, is purity. The real benefit of meditation is purity. Because you can avoid the problem, you can avoid your, your anger and aversion, your, your greed and addiction. But only when you understand, only when you understand things can you become pure. The mind that is objective is the mind that is pure. The mind that just sees things as they are. It's quite simple. Here, now. It's not theoretical, it's not philosophical, it just is. You're just sitting, sitting. Walking, you're walking. Seeing, you're seeing. Your mind is very pure. With a pure mind, you're able to overcome sadness, sorrow, lamentation, despair. You're able to come all sorts of mental sickness like depression, anxiety, insomnia, phobia, anger issues, addiction issues, all these things. You're able to overcome them through the purity. It's like pure water washing away all of these, these things that seem so difficult to overcome, so complicated and so um, unsolvable, impossible, in fact are quite simply washed away with the purity of the mind. When you do that, you don't suffer. You free yourself from all the suffering that comes from these mental illnesses, the mental upsets problems in our mind. When they're gone, there's no suffering. Even if you're in great physical pain, you don't react to it. You're at peace even with physical pain. Even that. Because you can't, you can't actually get what you want all the time. You can't actually ensure that you won't experience unpleasant things. So the only way to be free, to be truly at peace, is to learn to let go, to learn to stop reacting become pure in mind. This is called the right path. What it does is it puts you on the right path. Whatever you do in your life, however you live your life, you do it right. You don't do it with an angry mind or with a greedy mind or with a deluded mind. You do it with a clear and with a pure mind. Whatever you do. If you're a monk or if you're a layperson, if you're a millionaire or a millionaire, you do it right, with a pure mind. And so you're free. You find freedom. You find freedom in this life. No suffering in this life. If you're born again, you're born in a place that is free and pure. It's the, pure, it's the freedom of mind. Whether you're in prison or whether you're on top of a mountain, wherever you are, you have the freedom of mind. No one can take that away from you. No one can enslave you because you're at peace with yourself. You're free. So, I didn't talk too much about the Mahasunyata Sutta. Uh, it's a bit complicated, I think. Not really my forte to go through all that. It goes through Samatha and Vipassana. It's an interesting sutta, to be sure. Definitely worth reading. 
But this quote sort of stands apart, and it's uh, the point of the quote is to remind us that this is difficult, and that we have to push ourselves, and we have to be pushed. We have to accept these teachings. The Buddha said, if you love me, if you care for me, it's not about uh, clinging to me, it's about following my teachings. If you don't listen to my teachings, that means not, that's what it means to not really care. That's all we're concerned about is the point. If you follow the teachings, if you do the teachings, if you practice them, because they're tough. That's what separates uh, someone who cares from someone who doesn't care. It's not whether you are Buddhist or something. It's about whether you care enough to put the teachings into practice. Difficult teaching. Anyway, so that's our bit of Dhamma for tonight. See, we have a couple of questions, so I can answer them. You, you can go. That's all. I'm just going to answer people's questions. Is time a rupa? Well, time doesn't exist. Time is not a thing. Time, time is a quality of things. Did the Buddha and the Arahants have no need for constant noting? They're being so awake and aware and pure of mind. Right, well, Arahants see things objectively, so they don't have to practice seeing things objectively. So it just comes natural. When they see, they know it as seeing. So I think that I occasionally recognize impermanence or no self, but I assume that the recognition is only intellectual. So how does one know when the realization of impermanence or non-self is of a super-mundane quality? A super-mundane realization means you're entering into Nibbana. Seeing impermanence, suffering, and non-selves means, means to see that the things, it's, this, it's what you're seeing as you practice. You're seeing that you can't control, you can't force. You're seeing that trying to force things leads to suffering. Thing that things are unstable, that your mind is chaotic, that the experiences you have are not not certain. There's no warning for the way things change and come and go. Once you start to see that, you start to let go. You stop trying to control, trying to force things because you see it's not it's not uh, feasible. It's not reasonable to think that you can control that you can be in charge that you can keep things the way they are and make them satisfied so once you see that enough um, it becomes a, a truth you see that you realize that this is the truth in the beginning it's just 
uh, hinting at it and you see it clearer and clearer until finally it hits you that this is the reality that nothing's worth clinging to and the mind stops clinging and that's that's the super mundane realization because then there's freedom what do you mean about not reacting to physical pain pain can be a hindrance of the mind it overwhelms with intensity not so much emotionally is there a difference um, well, no, actually. Pain is not a hindrance. Pain is just physical. There's a difference between pain and disliking pain, and that's what you have to find. Once you stop disliking the pain, it's actually not a hindrance. Think it overwhelms with intensity? Mm, not exactly. I mean, it, it, in the sense that it takes your attention, yes. So if it's very intense, then it'll be the only thing you experience. I mean, I suppose you could pass out from the intensity of it, but that's just a physical thing. If you're not passed out, then just be mindful of it. If you can do that, you can actually be at peace with it. Once the mind realizes something, how come one finds oneself acting with ignorance once again? Are the realizations also just as impermanent? Yes, realizations are impermanent. You need to gather enough of them so that it becomes a truth, so that you, f you realize it as a truth and your mind lets go. Because what, the only thing that, that lasts is an, a realization of Nibbana. Once you realize Nibbana, that changes you. Would you recommend drugs for intense, persistent pain? I wouldn't recommend them. I mean, I'd understand if people take like painkillers sparring sparingly, um, but uh, no, ideally you deal with the pain. If it's intense, then yeah, use them sparingly, but also try to meditate as best you can. If you're really into meditation, you don't need the painkillers. Okay, let's call it a night then. Wish you all good practice. See you all soon.